Word of confidence, 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 confidence. Welcome to another episode of Confidently Insecure, the podcast where we are absolutely sure we don't we know don't everything. Whoa! <laughs> you think just because you've been on like six episodes by I now? Know. You do know the tagline, though. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, you guys, Caps Lapla DJ Boyfriend is here again this week because Ooh. guess what? It's another Sunday night and the podcast comes out <laughs> in a few hours. And, you know, here's the thing is I don't actually mind. I don't actually get, like, stressed out. I'm not like, oh, my God, oh, the podcast is going to go. It's like, I, it's you so thrive. nice. You thrive in the environment, the, the high stress yeah. High stress workload. I feel like it's better for me to, you know, know something needs to get done. Mm. Each week is, is nice. There's so much dog hair on this. Speaking of dogs, we are coming off the uh, back of... Coming off the back of Cub, <laughs> what just happened right now, five seconds before we started this uh. podcast, Barry came out of the... Uh, studio with a long roll of <laughs> tissue <laughs> paper in his mouth and he w- had eaten half of it Ooh. and i was like what is that where did you get he's not a person that he's not a, he's not a person well he's not a person he's, but he's a person. also he's not a dog that eats stuff that's not dog food and so i said barry yeah. what is that and i grabbed it and the the air wafted the scent right into my mouth oh what's that smell with an unmistakable smell that I would know anywhere is your cum. (laughs) The smell Uh, of Jared's cum filled my nostrils. Right up in there. Right up in there. And, you know, one plus one equals two. I realized Barry uh, had taken your cum. (laughs) (laughs) That's... (laughs) And Somebody's just gonna take know. that sound, that little sound bite. Barry had taken my cum and just. <laughs> oh uh, no! Oh no! He had to take it. I mean, technically, he stole it. He, he stole he, your he cum. It. He took it yeah. and was eating it. Look, this podcast, we're absolutely yeah. sure we don't know anything, and I don't know if it's okay for dogs to eat human cum. I don't. I would assume if, not great. if I'm digesting it <laughs> on a regular dietary basis, I think it's okay for the dog to have. I, I mean, look, it's not morally. I don't feel good about it. I'm not like, all right, my dog yeah. can sniff out cum. Because also, why was he eating it when he, li- he doesn't eat that. He doesn't like dig through trash cans and pull out things. Maybe he just, it was so potent smelling that he oh. was just like, this is a, a something I need to, like he eats poop. You know, first of all, he does not eat poop. He was in in a small period of time. He was interested in eating (laughs) (laughs) only because we found out from our dog trainer. What up? Johnny got a train. Always Mm. hire him. uh, Is that dogs do that when they're missing a. Uh, it's a it's a deficiency within themselves. <laughs> they have a deficiency for cum. <laughs> this is all the vitamins and nutrients in the cum that yeah. just really. Uh... Actually, you know what? We laugh, uh. but it makes sense because isn't cum <laughs> protein? There's a lot of protein in cum. Yeah. So maybe That's... Barry needs more chicken and raw. F- <laughs> he needs more raw oh, in his dear. diet. Oh my god! Well, there are a lot of dogs that are like panty sniffers. That's Have we true. spent five? No, we've been four minutes now on dogs. And 
Yeah. Look, the past two episodes have been a little intense, so I guess it is okay that this week <laughs> is about dogs and, and... Okay, we need to move on, because um, you know how I've been trying to uh, format each episode the, this fucking past couple episodes, because I'm trying to do live shows, and the producer says I need more formats, so... You know I've been trying to start off every episode with saying something that I feel confidently insecure about. That is something that I know is important, and I just, I don't know all the answers. And I feel like this episode theme is a good one. We are talking about viruses and pandemics, uh, but something more close to home uh, has been this last three days, this is kind of why we're recording so late, is the past three days, we have been doing a like family therapy convention conference weekend. Jared goes to a really cool therapy place where they have these sort of events where you can invite people in your life to come learn um, just about like either like what you've learned or better ways that we can all communicate and, you know, anything to make us better at talking to each other I'm all about. And I thought something that was really interesting that they taught us this weekend that I really wanted to share with our comments is about something I went through this weekend in regard to what is known as trait versus state. Jared, do you want to take it away a little bit about what that what I mean by state versus trait? State versus trait, sure. Or trait, however you say. It. Yeah, it, it's the same same difference. Um, Trait is you are blank. I think that you are blank. You are a blank person. Versus state is understanding that that person might be in a certain state of mind mm -hmm. that causes them to, to do an action. Mm. So if this person is misbehaving, oh, you are a troublemaker, right? Mm -hmm. That's a trait. When really understanding the state of mind that mm. that person is in is really important. And that's called mentalizing. And what is mentalizing is what I've kind of understand from this weekend is it's a form of empathy. It's kind of like a, a subset of empathy where you try and put yourself in the other person's shoes to better, I guess, it's like a, it's like a form of trying to better understand why someone is doing something or acting the way they are. Um, like for instance, they use the example of like, if, if you say hi to someone and they're like, hi, and they're busy on their phone, it's like, well, that was rude. And even though it felt rude to you, it probably most likely has nothing to do with you. Like if, you know, you and the person are totally fine, probably has nothing to do with you. It's more about, can I, as Kelsey, then put myself in the shoes to understand that you might be going through something or having a, a time that's making you act that way towards other people right which if goes I, back to state versus trait is like yes. understanding why you're in that position and also that states being in a state of feeling is impermanent mm -hmm. and like especially this weekend there was a lot of like ups and downs and downs and highs and lows and uh, I had kind of like a mental breakdown <laughs> this weekend. Just I was in a literal state that I was catastrophizing and spiraling. And I was so emotionally exhausted from doing like 10 hours of therapy a day <laughs> at this like convention that 
nothing that was happening was going to like change the state I was in except for being able to cool down and calm down. Like trying to hammer home and therapize more was not going to help the state that I was in. But in that moment, everything I was feeling felt really permanent. Right. Like this is the way it's going to be. Like, And I kind of had a choice in that moment of like, is this state going to then turn into the trait of our relationship? Like, am I going to try and carry this emotion and feeling? And it's heavy, dog. That way it was heavy. And Mm -hmm. then like once I had time to calm down, I realized like the human condition is bonkers in that you can swing so high and low and that in those moments of really, really tough stuff to remember that those feelings are impermanent even feelings that last for years and years and years like regret or grudge or anger or whatever they're just feelings and feelings aren't fact it's true and uh, i think adding to the example uh about the person being on their phone and um saying that that person is a rude person mm, is a trait is not mentalizing yeah it's saying mm, like i think that that person has this trait and i'm just immediately going to put that on there that person might not be a rude person that might just yeah. they might just be in a state of um a lot of conflict in their life and even if they are a rude person like we all have that cunt kathy that we work <laughs> with or that bitch barbara on facebook where you're like ugh, you just are this person it's about trying to understand that maybe there is like years of imprint on them mm-hmm. for the reason why they are this way or, mm-hmm. you know, the, who, the person that they're with has a big influence on them or the news they watch. And um, it's just, again, it's just I think about about trying to understand people a little bit better. Like life is so selfish <laughs> <laughs> and I'm guilty. Like I'll tell you, I'm the most selfish motherfucker ever. But I think it is just about really trying to bring yourself to presence in tough times and and just live in the now and try and understand that there's more to a lot of uh, arguments or or hard conversation than meets the eye. Like very rarely is it trait versus state. And I think something maybe we could talk about that we shared that we had a big revelation in is like – our toughest times are in moments of when we're having discussion and Jared has a hard time vocalizing either his needs or um, uh, unfree. Like he gets kind of frozen. My my feelings, I'm not able to express my feelings via words. I'm, I just, uh, Kelsey expects me to mm-hmm. be able to say what I'm feeling at the time. And I'm like, just fucking say something, and anything, I literally I, I a can't noise. Vocalize it. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing I can say that would make the situation better. Mm-hmm. And so, even in my head, when I'm like, all he has to do is say this and say, sorry, I was feeling this, therefore I did. Like, I just need a recognition. And so, even though I can see that. We're two different people. And so for me, it was about like coming up with a list that can help Jared that has nothing to do with him stating his feelings because that's the thing that frustrates me the most. So for me, it was about creating a list of like, here are sentences you can say that have nothing to do with the fight that would make me feel better. Like in those moments, it's like, I love you. I am not going anywhere. I am not abandoning you. I want this relationship to work. And then just that's like the basis. But we found out like a big thing 
was the physical like physical touch that we needed as he's rubbed my shoulder now is like massaging and and talking through massage if that makes it sounds crazy and we look insane when we're doing it like touching you yeah releasing the emotion Mm. that Mm. comes from this to me i I never really thought about it like that i'm I'm always very heady and and rational and Mm -hmm. so in my head, I'm thinking, well, two two plus two is not equal five, blah, blah, blah. Like, I can't, mm-hmm. there's nothing I could rationally say here that's going to fix this. But I have to realize that sometimes the best thing I can do is to just be there with you and mm-hmm. be supportive and, yeah. you know, tell you yeah. and support. And, yeah. And I, I didn't realize how much emotion I keep locked in my body, especially with pain. Like, Jared will start to see me fidget or, like, trying to crack my neck or stretching my jaw especially when I'm frustrated. And that for me was like realizing that in those moments, if he were to come over to me and start massaging my jaw or just say like, Hey, we totally are still mad at each other. We can be in a fight right now, but like, why don't you lay down and let me like stretch out your shoulders or your neck or like help you bend your knee a little bit. And like the physical nature of how, much emotion gets stored in my body like I felt like we made this plan like a checklist now next time things get tough and it seems so stupid and I feel so lucky that I have a partner that's willing to do that because I don't know a lot of unfortunately like stereotypical masculine men that will do that like it I, I will also say this is untested fully, <laughs> and we don't well, we know. We did it all this weekend. We did it, but like it wasn't a crisis mode, so yeah. well, we don't know if it will work or not. Like we haven't tried it in full crisis mode. Yeah. So, so, so basically, this segment was fucking pointless. Then, <laughs> um, so take it with a grain of salt. But this is our plan, and it has been working for us. Well, we don't know. In, in small <laughs> small segments of it, at least. Great. So all of that to say that what we're feeling confidently insecure about is uh, state versus trait in that it, we would like to learn how to work through this. We don't know. We're not the expert. But we've been doing a lot of self-care and self-preservation uh, and reflection and knowing that uh, what helps us unwind is watching a really shitty reality show together, which the one we were watching this weekend is love is blind on Netflix, which if you haven't watched it, you have to, to be a part of this cultural zeitgeisty conversation that is happening around (laughs) love is blind on social media, but it's basically all it's, it's like four reality dating shows in one where it's like blind dating. Then you get to see the next chapter, right? Like most blind dating shows, like whether it be the bachelor or like, um, are you the one or whatever is about like trying to find the person. This gets you finding the person within episode one and two. Then episode three and four is about them going together to an exotic location. Like those dating shows that they don't do to the end of the season. They do that in episode like three, then they move in together. Then they get married. Like it's all of like the, best parts about a dating show combined into like these reality tv show mashup yeah exactly Mm. so we've been 
binge watching that and you know i was like why is netflix releasing these once a week when the whole like thing of netflix's strategy is binge watching like you want everyone to just watch boom 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 in a row and then it had me even thinking further well they just did the circle right which was a bingeable show and they realized wow everyone's like when it when it's a really good reality show people just binge watch the shit out of it and it wasn't fair because people would watch it starting Friday and by Saturday they were spoiling the whole season on Twitter and then everyone was like oh I gotta I clearly gotta watch this show which I realized with the marketing of this show coming out weekly is that so people talk about it for longer so you've got like stars like Chrissy Teigen getting involved you have podcasts reviewing it every week it's like they have found a way to stretch the popularity of the show which gives it even more time to be a hit by releasing them weekly which pisses me off because i'm all in fucking vested in these shows and then you got to wait every week to watch it it's it's going back to the olden days which which is not why i why i signed up for netflix (laughs) i did not want commercials i do not have to wait commercials this is feeding my addiction (laughs) and my adhd brain my millennial thought process and i don't like that it's trying to take that away from me netflix Come on, Netflix. What are you guys doing? But if you do want to give me a show, listen. Mm. We can release it weekly. It's fine. I want to really very quickly thank this week's sponsors. That is BetterHelp. You guys know that I cannot stop talking about this company. It's something that I personally use every week. I loved my, I love, love, not loved. (laughs) She didn't go anywhere. (laughs) I love my therapist. Uh, It's, it's a, it's a app and a website that is a place where you can connect with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment, which at first I was like, how great can that be when it's online? Like there's no way you can make a connection with a person here. I am like pouring out my soul on Twitter and Instagram. And I was like, okay, everything's going online. This is like the modern therapy. Y'all they have licensed professional counselors who are specialized in self-esteem, grief, LGBT matters, family conflicts, anger, trauma, sleeping, relationships, anxiety, stress, depression, and anything you share is confidential. Ooh, confidential. Yeah, I know, I didn't realize that they had that word in there. Nice. Um, and the best part is, is if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time no additional charge. What? So you don't like a therapist? Swipe left, bitch. What? Uh, 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states available worldwide. I know we got an international podcast oh, audience. World. Hello. Shout out to the U.K. I'm coming to you, baby. Uh, there's four communication modes. Text, chat, phone, video. And you can start communicating it with their therapist in under 24 hours, which is amazing because Unreal. in regular therapy world you get a call your insurance and then you have to call and make an appointment and by the time i get the appointment i'm like you know what i've either solved or gotten too deep in my problem i don't need you anymore uh financial is available for those who qualify it is secure convenient professional affordable and best of all it's truly 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 an affordable option confidently insecure listeners get 10 percent off your first month with discount code c I. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash CI. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with the counselor you Ooh. love. Yes. That's 
betterhelp.com slash CI. CI? CI? CI. I'm thinking of getting a sign made that says CI with my cute red and pink letters and putting it next to this beautiful body of a woman that we were telling Fans, you hear that? That neon sign. Go do a, it. Uh, Somebody oh, yeah. make it for us. And Just I wanted to, to us. this isn't, this isn't a plug. Well, I guess it is a plug. Remember how like <laughs> a few weeks ago, Jared, when you were on the podcast and you told people my Venmo and then we raised like over $400 at this point crazy. with people with donations and stuff that yeah. has helped me not have to sign away 30% of a podcast to another company. That's so great. Now, this company that I advertise on that helps me distribute the platform. So wherever you're listening, like on iTunes or Google Play Boom. Plus, Boom. or Stitcher Boom. or wherever the fuck Spotify you're listening. Spotify, Spotify is a big one. Yep. Uh, this company helps just distribute that and they're called red circle red circle and i just finally finished my profile that the you know they're great over there and they have this amazing thing where you can actually make donations to your favorite podcasts like venmo you can sign up for weekly monthly or one-time donations like a patreon and there's a place to put exclusive content it's like a one-stop shop to supporting your supporting your favorite pod i know this sounds like an ad it's not i was just very impressed with them i had a call this week to finalize all my stuff with them and i was like y'all really just get it done they got it all. Yeah. So I don't really know like what the call out to action is with that. Like go check out what Confidently Insecure on Red Circle. I know that it's now in the description of the podcast. So you can go just see like uh, there's no exclusive content on there yet. But I'm definitely going to do some because there's so much shit swirling around in my brain that so many times I just want to bust out the mic. And I'm like, is this a full episode? No, but I just I want it to be like a diary. Mm. Like a little place. That's fun. Yeah. You have just thoughts and you're just like, let me just record this. Yeah. And it's a really cool place. That's where I get all like my data and I can, and I can study my audience. So I know like how to put on shows for you guys. Like I had a creative call this week about the live shows we're going to do. And I got really excited because I was like, I just want this to be, I don't want it to be like other live podcast recording. I want this to be like an experience. Mm. Like I want confidants to leave these shows feeling like they just had the best therapy session of their lives i love that and the most fun of their lives so anyway all that to say be excited get ready stuff like that's gonna come out but i feel like we should get to the theme of the episode (gasps) (laughs) viruses and outbreaks and pandemics pandemics <laughs> you really are a DJ. <laughs> That's the noise the WHO makes when coronavirus is a a a muck. <laughs> you guys know I have been wanting to do an episode about this. I put a call out to all of you listeners. You guys suggested so many wonderful A podcasts to listen to, B places to visit to get information about diseases, epidemics, viruses. Uh, so really this is a, is like a, an episode that is a culmination of all the places that you guys have talked about that, where we can talk about what's going on in the world right now, which is this coronavirus stuff. Damn. Would you say recently that for some reason I've become very obsessed with learning about viruses? This was really wild. (laughs) I like, I'm honestly like really impressed too by the, in like the, 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 fervent nature of your love for <laughs> viruses right now you're just you 
every medium you consume it. You're reading books, you're watching TV shows, <laughs> yeah. and you're listening to podcasts. I'm yeah, oh yeah, too. I was listening. To really love viruses. I don't know what what about it. And you asked me that. You're like, what is it? Is it the like death part of it? Is the the morbidity? And I was like it forced me to think like what is it about this first of all it's very topical right like mm. i think this is the first time that i've been old enough to care about what virus is happening in the world right like there yeah. was sars there was mers there was ebola but like i don't think i was old enough like i was too busy like nursing my hangovers and emotional situations with whatever whatever person was breaking my heart at that time to give a <laughs> shit about the world and i feel like now this podcast and this audience has helped me kind of like care about more <laughs> in I, my impact on the world i and think it's really cool actually the fact that you're you're learning something so that you can teach it to your audience mm. in a certain way. It makes you learn it even better. Well, and yes, I must preface this episode yeah. with saying that I am not an expert. You're not an expert. I'm sure not. You just learned it really well. I'm just trying to learn so that I can tell you guys about it. And so hopefully cool. inspire you guys. Uh, I've been watching tons of shows on Amazon. Mm. Contagion, I'm hoping to watch this week. Uh, there's uh, some some really interesting things that I think have uh, popped up this week for me to learn and take in about the coronavirus that um, I want to share with you guys. But first, I wanted to... <laughs> doesn't We don't need a drum roll. <laughs> um, first, I wanted to share with you some very uh, interesting history about epidemics that have terrorized the world oh i'm in so this is sort of like you know how we have our host throughout history segments this is kind of like um the uh uh health throughout history come up with a better okay. one okay right. i'll work you. on it i'll work on it yeah uh, viruses <laughs> throughout whatever um the point being that this coronavirus situation that's going on i think like change and mania of like conversation really freaks people out but the fact is is like this is nowhere near uh the most deadly or scariest outbreak the world has seen and because of social media we hear about it more and thank god we're able to like share information quicker but boy oh boy the things that have terrorized the world that uh, have to do with plague and outbreak and viri and bacteria and animals <laughs> has started many, 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 oh. many, 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 many moons, many moons ago. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to just tell you some like crazy shit I've been learning about with these. I'm pumped about epidemics. this. If you're doing the yeah. So the first yep. one I want to start this with is, is the fiery serpent outbreak. <laughs> The guinea worm, which has gone all the way back to 1495 BCE. What does BCE stand for? I was always told that it was called Before Christ. Before the Common Era. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's why he's here, y'all. Um, so this <laughs> brief history about the guinea worm is about a worm that burrows through your body to, until it chews its way out through your toe. Wow. That's <laughs> and wild. I, I'm gonna uh try and and give like a very brief summary about the guinea worm. There's a lot more on YouTube you can see you can actually see the worm itself. But I thought this was just very It's wild. It's wild <laughs> because first of all, all guinea worms are female. And how badass is that? Like just a, a Talk chick about worm badass women going I through mean, your body shit. and fucking shit up, terrorizing your organs. Whew. Just fucking shit up. Okay, so the guinea worm. Ain't got shit on guinea yeah, guinea fuck worm. the black widow. Yeah. She ain't got shit. Fuck you, Scarlett Johansson. Um, <laughs> the guinea worm's life cycle begins 
and ends in shallow ponds. I just want you to remember that begins and ends. But what we know about the guinea worm is that it starts as a uh, as a uh, a prozo- protozoa. protozoa. It's not like a virus or a bacteria. It's an actual living thing where it's so small it jumps on the back of a water flea. I don't even know. How big is a water flea? Exactly. It's like a pinpoint. What? So how the fuck are we supposed to see it? We can't. Damn. So a water flea has got this little protozoa living on its back, chilling, taking a free ride. Just hanging out. And the protozoa, a.k.a. our guinea worm, scratches the surface of the water tick so much that the water tick eats it. Oof. It's like, get off my back. Get inside me. Yep. The water tick then ingests it where the protozoa is able to grow and eat off of the organs of the flea and eventually burst through the cervix and uterus <laughs> of the water tick. Oh. And then it is in the water. So it is now, it takes the life of the tea, the flick, the flick, the tea the, the flick, the tea flick, <laughs> the, the flea tick to uh, grow. And then it becomes a... Uh, protozoa, or then it becomes a living thing that's in this water that can be scooped up by uh, people that need water. That's is back in 1495, remember? So it's like people that are in small villages getting stuff out of well wells. They weren't filtering their water. So basically, you ingest this worm by drinking it, right? And the crazy thing about this worm is in your body, your cells do this thing with where your red cells travel to past uh, hemoglobin, and that's where it gets its oxygen, whatever. There's this whole process where your cells pass each other. And this worm is so smart that it jumps from cell to cell in your body when it, right when it goes through this process of hitting oxygen or like gaining its own oxygen that the body can never attack it because it's like a little sneaky bitch sneaky that bitch. jumps from cell to cell growing. Now eventually this worm grows from uh, your red blood cells and the female meets a male eventually and they fuck and then the female kills the male and grows over three million little eggs inside of itself. What a fucking savage. And spoiler Love alert, that. the body can't even feel this happening. Because she's such a sneaky bitch jumping from cell to cell that she starts to grow actually in through your organs. So she can actually embed herself in as she grows. So because this bitch has no plans but to uh, further her species, she doesn't really have many internal organs, which is why she's able to store up to three million eggs inside of her own body. Three million eggs. Yeah, isn't that disgusting? That is so many Um, eggs. And of course, those babies need to get to a body of water in order to get on some flea ticks, water flea ticks, to keep growing and continuing the species. So there's nowhere to go but down. Mm. Because there's something about scientists don't know why. Yeah, they think it has something to do with the the gravity, that the worm likes the gravity, but it just goes down in your body. So Mm. while it's going down in your body, it can attach to organs and to the walls of tissues of yourself. All the while, she's growing, and she gets all the way down to your toe, and then she's like, I want to get the fuck out of here because i got to lay my eggs in some water. So the only way that the body starts to feel this worm inside you is when you start to get that allergic type reaction to this worm with like the itching the burning and the foot starts to become strange feeling so the only thing that relieves this feeling is water the feeling of water so a lot of people will go to water and like keep their feet in water to relieve the feeling of the burning so 
This bitch literally starts chomping through tissue and shit to get out of your body. And at this point, she's a full grown three foot worm. <laughs> she is three feet long. That's bitch. rough. That's half of you. That's a, yeah. That's yeah. half of you. Straight up. So the thing is, is when she starts to come out, it's literally like what you imagine, like a worm coming out of your foot. I mean, it's really Ugh. tiny. It's like white and it looks like a, the thinnest piece of spaghetti you've ever seen. Almost kind of like silk hair like. And back in the day before they knew it, what they would do is they would try and pull the worm out and it would break. What happens if it breaks? So here's it's good news because when it breaks, the, the worm's able to release eggs and the worm won't die until all the eggs are released. But the bad news is that the worm, because it's wrapped up in your organs, if the worm dies, it starts to kill the tissues and organs that it was in, and your body gets Ugh. gangrene, and that's how you die, is because your body starts dying from the inside out. It just kills out. itself. Yeah, so what they learned was, like, don't pull it out. What you do is you start to attach the worm to a stick, and every day you just roll the stick a little bit, so the worm slowly starts to pull out, and it takes weeks to take it out. I mean, now they figured out how to get it out faster, but back then it was like, mm. you would roll the stick, and the worm would slowly come out and then by the time she out she was out she could lay the eggs and continue the circle of life hasavenya and uh now that's they figured it out the way to the best treatment that we still have is just you ha actually have to pull the worm out that's crazy yeah wow uh but the only thing we have learned from this is the better way to prevent getting these worms in the first place is using a water filter Oh, so even in developing so countries, easy. it's something it's as easy as using a cloth to filter it's your water. A lot of education. Through. Just letting them know. Yes, hey. just like that is the guinea worm. Isn't that oh. crazy? And it's basically gone now, right? Yeah, there's only da, 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 da. there's there's uh it's a very th th the low threat level today, thanks to international efforts to prevent the the disease. And the guinea worm will probably be extinct in the near future. Hell yeah! And the fatality rate is less than one percent. Damn. So that is. We're doing good on the guinea worm then. The guinea worm. That's good. Yeah, I thought that shit was crazy though. It's nuts. Um, right? Like, so doesn't that sound a lot worse than? Uh, <laughs> I mean, shit. This thing's just crawling out I of know. your toe and Bleh. you're pulling it. It's just hurting everything. Bleh. It's on fire. And, and like, we, you really, you really don't have to worry about this in America because I know most of our audience is America, but. That doesn't mean we're safe from other things. True. Moving on. I want to talk a little bit about a person named Galen, which was someone who has been credited for being the uh, sort of the, the biggest celebrity doctor of all time. Uh, Galen had so many ideas about the body and medicine that... Uh, he created medical treatments uh, that lasted for longer than a millennium, uh, including the way that most doctors approach the plagues today. That's a long ass time, if you really yeah. think about it. Like a millennium? Yeah, and Galen was someone that started dissecting on dead animals to to um, learn about anatomy. This guy. Um, and then was... Uh, eventually moved on to humans because he worked with gladiators so like when they would get wounded he was um, like yes i will sew up your leg but also might i take a peek sees in your body and just see what that bone is connected to the curious guy. so galen yeah or a fucking creep right <laughs> like you think like oh wow yeah. we really what a medical celebrity but like 
He just wants to see your insides. Why are you so interested in my insides? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Um, For instance, Galen was the one that revealed that arteries contain blood and not air. Blood. For a long time, people thought. Yes. Blood. Blood. Not funny. Not funny. (laughs) Not funny. Everyone go look at that YouTube viral clip. Um, But for a long time, people thought there was only air in your veins. Until Galen like cut someone open and was like, hmm, this red what wet stuff. What did they think the red wet stuff was? I don't know that they were thinking. Wow. Um, so Galen also c- came up with this theory about um, what diseases stem from. And he created words and theories that we still actually use today. So he created what was called... Uh, the four humors um which are i don't know what humors means in this situation but he referred to them as the blood phlegm bile and black bile so they were the four humors or liquids that kept the body in balance is what they believed back in the day so too much or too little of any of these would cause disease and these four elements matched up with uh fire water air and earth and they represented properties of hot, cold, wet, and dry. So if somebody had a disease that was considered to be a cold, which is a term that we still use today, a physician would describe, or describe, yeah, a, a physician would describe food or medicines that had warm properties or encourage the body to make more heat. So uh, we still speak of getting a cold today, for example, right? So when we get sick and we cough up lots of phlegm, some doctors of his time would say that you should feed a cold and starve a fever. So Galen preferred to release the heat by draining out hot humors of blood. So they would actually practice this shit back in the day of bloodletting where you would just like poke a hole and let your blood come out. (laughs) And that's what they thought... uh, That's how you got rid of diseases. Oh, Galen. So Galen is pretty popular, and I feel like we've never learned this person's name. I've never heard of that name before, ever. Isn't it still interesting, though, that we use someone has a cold to describe? A cold? Because it's like when you get fever, you get the chills, and so it's like, you have a cold, and you should drink some hot soup. Wow. It seems a little archaic, but alas. Uh the next th- thing I want to talk about before going into the coronavirus oh, this shit is, nuts. is the bubonic plague bom, bom, bom. of Constantinople. Now, this is this is where I think I really got interested in infectious diseases because I was like, bitch, we could have a whole ass modernized system of living and still Mother Nature be like watch what I can do yeah. because no matter how much technology you have, you know, even back, you know, back when the bubonic plague happened, it was like, no matter what had happened in that geographical area, area, like, you know, centuries of war and, and fightings of family and your whole life is dedicated to, uh, helping overtake this system disease was still like gotcha bitch fuck shit up man so the bubonic plague killed 25 million people Wow. 25 million people. Um, and the bubonic plague was caused by a shift in weather patterns that caused a boom in the rat and flea populations. So we know most or, or all viruses start 
from is it all viruses? animals animals i'm pretty wow. sure right i don't know don't fact check me on that one but like <laughs> all the epidemics and pandemics yes. all come from animals and we had talked about bats last week and at first it was like ew why are bats so gross and dirty but it's actually the opposite bats are so clean that their immune systems are so strong that they're able to be these like super carriers of many disease and viruses that can then hop from animal to human it's crazy yeah um so the bubonic plague okay at the height of its outbreak, 10,000 people were dying every day. And it was so rapid that people like didn't know where to bury bodies anymore. Like at first they were like, okay, we're going to have a funeral today for Sally, Jerry, Paul, and Karen. And we're going to have it from like noon to four. And by day four, they were like, just chug them in the river, bitch. We ain't got no room. Okay, we're stacked up high to the walls. Bring out your dead. Like not even bring out your dead. Like just wow. just deal with them on your own. Because we don't even Damn. have room for nothing. Like it hits so, yeah, literally they would pile them. They would put them in the walls of the the city limit, the city <laughs> walls. Because they just like truly didn't have any more Holy grave space. Shit. And then they said like whenever it got windy out. It got so stinky because there were still like dead bodies. Dead rotting. bodies everywhere. Um, so today scientists know that plague infects rodents in many parts of the world and has lived in three locations longer than any other. So we usually hear about viruses and pandemics coming out of, starting out of three areas. So one is near China, which is relevant because that's where the coronavirus came from, where plague as we know it originated. Mm. One runs across the Asian steppe and the last is in Africa. And usually these uh, plagues are spread from animals being able to hop from one area to another. So like a rat being on a ship or a mosquito getting in some fruit, blah, 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 blah. Um, wherever, the, whatever the route, somewhere the right kind of rat met the right kind of flea, which was carrying the right kind of bacteria. And that bacteria became the bubonic plague. And the, the uh, animals in just the feces of another. And the author of this story about the bubonic plague said, don't look so disgusted because if you've ever had the stomach flu, you got it by basically poopy particles. (sighs) No. Yeah, so like we eat poop all the time. I mean, Barry literally ate your cum earlier. That's true, that's a good point. Anyways, uh, so the bubonic plague was so fucking devastating that within four months, it had killed most people that it met. Again, so like there was this emperor Justinia, right? And like they spent their whole freaking decades and decades in war and taking over this population. And then at one point it was like the entire city and nation was wiped out by the bubonic plague that all of that shit, all of your life's work didn't even matter. That's wild. Within four months. Like there weren't even, the reason why the bubonic plague ended is because there was no more people left in that area to spread the disease onto and all the rats and everything that was carrying it died. All the people died. There was not enough people. 25 million people back then. That's crazy. Um, Again, so with devastated populations, the empire lost the ground and had gained in decades of expansion through war and plague had made its mark on Europe forever. Yeah. I, f- I just, I can't believe that 25 million people is a lot so of people, many people. And that's what I mean is like, I think we freak out about what's happening with 
diseases. There's like what, like hundreds of thousands right now in for the coronavirus. No, less than that. Yeah, right? less like, than that. Um, but I, I think what's scary to people is like back then we didn't have any way of sharing knowledge and we didn't have any science behind figuring out like why the things were the way they were. Um, You know, for example, back when smallpox was happening in Japan, uh, the government basically just forgave all taxes for one year and debts for one year because they were like we don't have time to be given a shit about (laughs) taxes and money when like half of our population is dying and i think now we have the resources to continue life regularly without uh having to put too much focus on this but i think that's the other reason why i wanted to talk about coronavirus is because i was like we're so like all these podcasts and articles I had read and listened to were like, we're so close to hitting the like, um, disease X that does wipe out the population that they're telling us not to freak out. But then they're also saying we're like one degree away from the next virus being the one that takes out the entire population just because of how rapidly it can spread now so i want to put away the history books and get a little bit into the coronavirus so all this information is from the world health organization the cdc it is being updated every day so that is just something to note that i am just relaying information again not an expert and it's updating every day this is coming out tomorrow so these are the most updated numbers that i could find tonight nice um also we should go ahead and uh, describe what the difference between an epidemic and a pandemic is. Because I had this question for you two days ago. Uh, yeah, it's a great question. What is it? So an epidemic is a plague, a virus, a disease that is infecting a large area of one place in the world. For example, the coronavirus, or what it's referred to now as uh, CONV, COVID-19. They're no longer no longer calling it um, the novel coronavirus. It's mutated? Yeah, well, oh it's not <laughs> mutated. It, that's just like the illness, oh, what it's okay. called now. Um, uh, it, that it, was an, it started as an epidemic in China. And you could even say like it, it was still an epidemic when it was hitting South Korea or the Philippines or parts of Asia. But it becomes a pandemic when it's spreading across the world. Mm. So right now, Corona, this COVID-19 is being considered a pandemic. Hmm. And there's like arguments about it, but like the other thing is, is that not everything is being, um, not all the information is being, being updated as quickly as possible. So even if some sites are still calling it an epidemic, by now it'll be a pandemic and then everyone will have to do a little editing on their wow. website. Um, so I wanted to go over a little bit about some myths about COVID-19. Uh, first of all, there is no vaccine yet. Okay. But what? they are trying to make it as fast as possible. Um, it has a lot to do with the uh, openness of communication from country to country because what happened with SARS, for example, back in the day was that a lot of people pl- blamed the Chinese government for keeping it so secret, but their ex- their excuse was like, uh, we didn't want to release too much information about our nation or, or about um, uh, about medical information that could reveal country secrets. And now 
after SARS happened and MERS happened and Ebola, it was like, no, it's way more beneficial to have the open communications and being able to share information. So they do think that despite there not being a vaccine right now, that there will be one created faster than ever because they are starting to open up those channels of communication. It's really not about like China started it again. Like it, it started there for a reason, you know, like we look at history that that's where a lot of the culture and, and spread of disease can happen because of the way that the markets work there and yada, 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 and the animals and the climate and blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't matter where it started. The fact is it's fucking happening. Okay. It's like, who cares where it came from? Shit's going down. Shit's going down. Um, there's also a myth going around that you can protect yourself from the, a virus by doing shit like gargling garlic or taking steroids or <laughs> using preventative mesh me- methods like essential oils. None of that shit is true. Okay. The best way to prevent yourself from catching this con co- fuck COVID is staying away from sick people, sneezing into your elbow and reporting your illness. If you feel sick. <laughs> and again, this is also coming from, uh, I know that our, audience is international so i'm trying to keep it as widespread as possible what are you laughing i thought you were gonna say staying away from sick people sneezing into your mouth (laughs) (laughs) this is like the just the imagery of a a sick person sneezing into you oh jesus um they're separate words also this virus was not created it came from animals we'll dive into that a little bit deeper but scientists don't believe that we have the manpower yet to create a virus that can kill this many people or infect this many people although it has been done it it has been created in a lab and you know they've been looking at um terrorism of viral terrorism i don't know what the word is but it that is something we do need to to work by a warfare yeah bioterrorism that is something we do need to worry about but that's not what this is um the other myth is that only china has people dying which is false um, as of February 21st, which is just three days ago, four days ago, depending on when you're listening to this, 2,200 people in China have died from COVID-19 as well as 11 people in other countries. And again, like that information is probably not even m- mostly accurate. Like we're updating it by the hour. Um Another myth is that you need to stop ordering things that were made in China. Like we all know that label that things are made in China and scientists believe that this virus cannot live on surfaces for that amount of time to handle shipping. So you don't need to worry about things that were made in China. Um, Another mask is that another mask. Another myth is that wearing a mask will save you from getting it. Nah, dog. Okay, like, I I think it's really good that people are traveling internationally with masks and stuff, but unless you have a medical-grade mask that has a filter, I forget what it's called. It's called something like Blah 95 or whatever, um, that actually has, like, a filtration system in it. Most just surgical medical masks will not protect you, and here's why. This disease is spread through droplets and... If you're not also wearing gloves, if you touch, say, mm. a table surface and then reach under your mask to itch your mouth, mm. boom. So, again, I think it's a it's a good preventative measure, but it's not going to stop people from contracting it. At least people can't sneeze in your mouth. That's At good. least people can't sneeze in your mouth. Um, oh, right behind you. I'm just trying to get a sip of water here. Talk nice. about something for a second. Okay. 
Um, I, I still can't get over 25 million compared to 2,000 people in the coronavirus. Oh, right thank now. you for those thoughts, Jared Lucas. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll get more into that. But let's get a brief history of the COVID-19. So we know that in December 2019, it started in Wuhan, China, uh, in a wet market, which, first of all, that sounds hot. What is a wet market? I think it's pretty pretty nasty. Just just call it what it is. It's a seafood market. <laughs> um, but they did also sell dry animals like rabbits and other uh uh, animals that you can eat there and so we're pretty sure that because these animals were stacked on top of each other in a market like setting because in order to get the freshest food from a market like that they do kill them on the spot right wow okay you went right in there i Don't was they? trying to find a way to oh, say man. that <laughs> yeah they they it's like the freshest version of food you can get so because you've got animal dropping stripping and blood mixing they're thinking that that's where the virus uh, originated so Here's another thing is you've had coronavirus before, everybody. Holy cow. Yeah, I know. Spoiler alert. Coronavirus simply means corona is Latin for crown and the uh, what the virus looks like under a a microscope uh, has a crown like appearance with these like spikes sticking up. So coronavirus just stands for the look of it. It's not actually what it is. And also Mm. it has nothing to do with beer. Corona beer, just so you know. Oh, good. But you can surely okay. drink some if that might help you feel better. Um, again, so the the word coronavirus is just the appearance of what the virus looks like under a microscope. And, you know, if you've had a virus like a flu, you've had a coronavirus before. Got it. This one, though, the COVID-19 uh, is what the illness is now called. And the virus itself is called SARS-CoV-2. I know there's a lot of science and stuff. So just like bear with me all. Okay. Um, la, 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 la. The thing about this virus spreading is that it really is showing the universal wealth disparity because it's going to hit poorer areas first. It's going to hit underdeveloped areas first. People in the U.S. don't really have to freak out yet because we have things like hospitals and preventative measures and the the wealth and knowledge to spread information on how to protect yourself whereas we're lucky in that regard so i think it's that's what this version of the of of a pandemic is bringing up is like maybe we need to put more resources and money into uh the prevention of the worldwide uh, knowledge and, and research and funding of these diseases because guess what fucking coronaviruses don't know bounds and limits of state lines and country lines yeah. and the biggest thing is like now with how quickly we can do airplanes and flights and oh, shit yeah. like there's no fucking way to contain it there just isn't it's spread so quick yeah um, so the symptoms of the COVID 2 are just like any other um, pneumonia-y type sickness. You get the fever, the cough, the shortness of breath. Uh, this COVID 19 virus is unique from a regular bacterial pneumonia because it spreads to both lungs as opposed to being localized in one area in your lung. Uh, you get runny nose, sore throat, headache. And again, I explained it's this virus is being transferred through droplets. So it's not like blood contact or like, you know, 
rabies bites. It's mm. uh, droplets of little tiny particles of spit and sweat. Ew. It may become, I don't know, probably not come. You hear that, Barry? Barry's probably okay. not come. I can't believe our dog eats cum. Okay, he's our foster, sorry. Um, la, 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 la. The alarming thing about this virus, though, however, is that it is spreading faster than other coronaviruses we've seen before. And again, that goes back to the way that people travel is just a lot more advanced than we've seen before. So uh, there is no antibiotic for this kind of, of sickness. So viruses and bacterias are two different kinds of microbes. So we would use antibiotics to treat bacteria, for example, like a yeast infection. <laughs> Hi, yeast can relate. Uh, that's my nickname. Uh, for viruses, we use an antiviral medication. So like herpes, right, is a virus. It's something that lives inside of you. Once you have it, you can't get rid of it. But you can take medication that keeps it dormant or not flourishing. Uh, for example, with seasonal flu, that's a virus, right? So once you have it, like, there's no point in going to the doctor unless things get really bad because you don't want it to become, like, pneumonia. But once you have the flu, usually the the thing you're told by doctors is to, like, stay home and, and ride it out because uh, one of the ways that you can treat or alleviate symptoms of the flu is by giving you Tamiflu. It's an antiviral medication. So antibiotics in this context for the virus does not work unless you have a secondary, a secondary bacterial infection, which can happen, though. They're seeing cases now where you have a bacterial pneumonia and a viral pneumonia. Damn. Double whammy. That would not be great. I know. On February 11th, uh, 2020, the World Health Organization announced the official name of this illness that is causing the 2019 novel, novel coronavirus outbreak. This illness is now called COVID-19. COVID for coronavirus. D for that disease. Not that dick. And 19 for the year when it was identified. And the virus itself is now called SARS-CoV-2. So the illness... COVID-19, the actual virus, SARS-CoV-2. The tough thing about identifying this virus is that they're only quarantining people for up to two weeks, but they're finding that you can catch it and not have symptoms for 24 days. 24 days. So that's why she's a sneaky bitch, like that's that guinea brutal. worm. Is she's like seeing, oh, they let you go after a certain period of time. Damn, and and so if we just wait a little bit, then we can really. Gotcha. Yeah. And so I think that's like, you know, we've heard these stories about these um, cruise ships that have been quarantined and stuff. And they got docked for like many, many, many days is because they're now learning. They need to keep people longer than two weeks. Got it. Um, travel bans are not effective. People what? will say, why don't we just like close off the borders of China? It's been statistically and scientifically proven that travel bans, once there has been an outbreak, do not do shit. That's crazy. Again, it goes back to the way we travel these days. You hop on a plane to LAX with a dream in my cardigan and you're gone, right? It's like too late to... To stop. Can't be stopped. Can't stop. Everybody stop. can just get these. Yeah, that's brutal. Um, so don't with your little travel bans, Republicans go somewhere. Um, the coronavirus is in the same family as SARS. We've mentioned that it's a coronavirus disease. And uh, 
there have been infections like this before. So SARS and MERS, which is uh, both upper respiratory infections, uh, we've seen stuff like this before. So I guess I wrote that note down because it was like we again we go all the way back to um, like new things. Uh, being really scary but the good news is is that scientists in the world have dealt with something like this before so it's maybe just a different version that's evolved and a little bit faster and a little bit quicker but it's not something like they can't take down scientists are saying like we can't predict it but we're pretty sure this isn't the one that takes us all out that's good good to know um as of right now the flu in the united states is more deadly the seasonal flu so, for example, the seasonal flu this year started in October, which is not that long ago. And the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, are already reporting over 10,000 deaths related to the seasonal flu. Uh, and over 20 million Americans being infect- infected. So just to put this into context. So you wonder, right? Like, is this a death sentence? And right now there are reports going around that is it is about a 1% to 2% fatality rate and an 18 to 20% of con- uh, conditions of this virus being in a critical range. So this is less than SARS, which was 10% um, fatality rate, and MERS was a 34% fatality rate, Damn. and Ebola was 50% Eesh. fatality rate. Wow, flip a coin or you're, you're dead. Yeah, That's so just crazy. to put that into perspective of what's going on, again, we aren't getting information as fast as we'd like, so this may change. Uh, it probably will go up the more cases we see, but right now, listen, you know, keep your xenophobia and racism at home. Um, more than 20 deaths have been linked to the virus outside of mainland mainland China due uh, to, to date, including Italy, Taiwan, the Philippines, Japan, Hong Kong, Iran, France, and the cruise ship places. Uh, there's also been two deaths, I believe, in the United States. And South Korea, which is a big one, Recently, there was a big spike in uh, positive results, and they are actually now closing down schools or limiting flights, and there just seems to be a, a bunch of big old super spreaders there and a spike happening. So that's like seems to be the second most critical place outside Oof. of China to be. Um, I've mentioned the stuff about the cruise ships. Uh, earlier this year, over 600 passengers of the Carnival Diamond Princess were forced to remain on their ship in chaotic conditions after people tested positive for coronavirus. They were holding quarantines. Uh, there have been two passengers that have died after leaving the ship. Um, but like, also, there was this thread on Twitter, like this hashtag on Twitter, where it turned out people were like, this is actually fine. Like, we are nowhere near the sick people. They're bringing us multiple meals a day. Oh, that's great. We get to miss work. It's we're streaming long, TV yeah. all day. Like, it kind of just depended on what news vacation. outlet you're reading. Yeah, mm. to see how bad it was. Um, again, trying to wrap up here, uh, what we're realizing about an outbreak like this is that we need to pay more attention to global health security. Frankly, we just need more funding in these uh, uh, verticals. Like, you know, when Chris Reinecker was on the podcast, we talked about um, those, what is that thing called? The global clock or whatever. 
Oh. What is it? What was it called? Uh, I have the worst the doomsday memory. Yeah, clock. the doomsday clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like viruses and diseases was like number two on there. And we're just, we're not, we're not looking at the bigger issues here. Like things like climate change and the population increase and the ability to fly places very quickly is the root of this issue and how we're going to keep the world from ending from a huge pandemic. So I think if we just made a little bit of noise on Twitter, again, it's all going to fall on generation Z. Let's be honest. Baby boomers don't care. They're too wrapped up still in the basics, right? Old people die so easily from shit like this. It's like their immune systems are the most compromised. They're the ones that usually are these death toll numbers coming from older people, 60 and above. It's going to fall on Gen Z and be like, y'all, what are we doing? <sighs> Anyways, uh, how can you not get it? Like I said, wash your hands, which is going to be a big learning curve for me. <laughs> Never washed my hands a day in my life. Rough. Really? Yeah, really don't. But we did put the... Do you have the we put Purell the, in the bathroom? We did put the Purell in the bathroom. Do you use that? Uh, yeah, you don't hear oh, me good. squirting in and go... <laughs> No. I'm oh not God. listening to you squirting things in the bathroom. Oh, you're not? Hey. Um, so wash your hands. Stay away from sick people. Mm. Implement this at your work, if especially if you're working in a place where there's um, inter- a lot of international travel. For example, like when I used to work at BuzzFeed, there were so many departments where people were flying in would, and would come and stay uh, to work from other places. And I think... Um, in this time it's good to like say to your HR like hey it would be cool if we like put more Kleenexes out or like if we were able to get some Purell uh, passed out to people I think you can be your own advocate and kind of say like um, uh, I would like the work environment to remain a sick free place especially when it's still flu season true Um, but but that's not to say this is not an invitation to be xenophobic and racist. Keep all that shit at home. Don't even keep it at home. Get rid of it. Toss it out, sis. Get out of there. Um, one other thing I wanted to point out is that there was a question of like, once you get it and survived it, are you immune to it? You know, like once you have a little bit in you, is it like that's what a vaccination is going to be? And that would go into a much larger conversations about vaccines. But look, <laughs> I don't want to care about your beliefs. I don't care about your religions. I don't care about your political stance. But vaccinations and getting your flu shot, it's not about protecting yourself as much as it is protecting people who can't be protected. It's about putting everyone else in danger. And what we saw with the most recent measles uptick, you know, measles was eradicated right it, it was, was. smallpox measles yeah. was eradicated it came back bitch yep. because of anti-vaxxers and what measles does is it actually changes your body's uh immunization against it so it me- getting measles will actually erase the how do I say this, like genetic code in you to fight off measles. So even if you've had the measles vaccine, you can still get it because measles, once you have it, makes your body, I guess like the best way to say it is like forget the memory of having the vaccination. And so you got to get your shots. You got to get your flu shots. Get your immunizations. 
maybe we can have an episode on that at a later That's time. That's a really good idea. Yeah. And so, again, something to remember is, like, social media can make it feel like that this is happening, like, next door, like, in your face, which is good because now we have, like, a lot more information being shared and spread and we have more of a handle on it. But it's also bad because it, it can be sensationalized. It can be an excuse for people to be xenophobic. And it can also, uh, the the rapid, widespread of mis- misinformation can happen a lot quicker. So, like I mentioned, the World Health Organization organization the cdc they're updating every day there's also a website i think it's called ProMed. yeah promed.org is a international society for infectious diseases and it's uh audience aggregated so this is actually where doctors are able to go like hey this is happening in my city um ProMed mail. Yeah, like. it's it. Well, it's a email you can sign up for. Oh, it's for. an email. Got it. Yeah, but it's it's the way that you're able to have like whistleblowers or uh, a safe space to sh- share information. So there are resources out there. Again, educate yourself. If you got ignorant people around you in your life, I think listening to something like this podcast where you can then go and regurgitate information is really helpful in a time like this. Like there's nothing more than a there's nothing louder than a dumbass spreading misinformation so like bitches on facebook dumb motherfuckers in your workplace like if you guard yourself not only immunize yourself against stuff like this but but knowledge wise keep up to date um we're gonna be a lot safer we're gonna survive this if like world war z happens you can all come over to my house we'll get like a confidant army it'll be full of cats and and come eating dogs (laughs) And that is my episode on the coronavirus. Jared Kaplock Lewis, thanks for just sitting here. Hey, you know, anytime. Yeah, that was nice. Hang I really on. have to poop. I've had to poop. Like, I have to poop. Well, we, we share Brian. a bathroom. So, Brian, we're going to have to <laughs> use your bathroom. Um, Confidants, thank you so much for allowing uh, this energy in this space to learn about the things that are happening around in the world. I think you guys are all so smart. I know that this podcast is usually about like pussies and emotions, but I really, really wanted to do an episode about this just because I wanted to help spread some positive knowledge about what's going on in our world. And I don't know, things like this just interest me, right? Like what's going on with syphilis? Where she's been? What's up with her? Where's she at? Um, uh, You guys don't forget to rate this five stars on iTunes. Those reviews help me more than anything. Check out Red Circle. See if you want to become a donator of the pod. That was so amazing when you guys did that. Uh, We've got stickers coming. Some of you guys have seen that on the Confidently Pod Instagram. We've also been doing mad giveaways over there. I mean, last week I gave out like $150 worth of Too Faced makeup and highlighters. So go check that out. Make sure you are following it because we are doing weekly giveaways honey you can also get confidently insecure t-shirts what and hats wow and the link will be in the bio we need to rep confidants i really want to make like a, a necklace this year or something fun wow now i only have did you fart yeah oh my god <laughs> <laughs> wow whoa i was gonna say i wanted to donate money to you and <laughs> i only have venmo what's your venmo how do i oh it's kelsey dera but go to red wow. circle it's gonna be a lot easier for me to thank you to and keep track way. of you and dude that fire was so bad that was so bad Can it was so bad i up? need to go oh, okay i love you confidant see you next week <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs>